with another episode of Kicking It with the Grid and the Gridiron Uncensored crew. Your usual boys are here tonight again. It's Blake and Trevor and myself. And boy, drama everywhere. It's been it's been all over the place. We've got tears. We've got fears. Tears for fears. Great band. Uh, you know, maybe for some of us old heads that I've been called an old uh, grumpy bastard lately. So that's that's just one thing, you know, it's been going on on, on the social media world. Uh, so either way, we're going to get into some of these games. Again, the drama, a lot of it. Uh, the portal news, you know, we're, we're going to hit that towards the end of the show, obviously, because there's more pressing matters and our listeners want to hear it. Uh, that's at least that's what, you know, one of our, our poor, poor, <laughs> poor fans is feeling it right now, boys. Uh, so <laughs> he, he wants to hear from us. He's, he's got expectations from this show and we are going to oblige. Uh, so let, let's go ahead, uh, gentlemen, let's get into some of these games real quick. Knock that out because obviously there's more pressing matters. Everybody knows what's going on with the games. Let's just hit them real quick. Oregon, Washington was a hell of a battle, uh, really fun game to watch. I, I enjoyed that game thoroughly. Um, Oregon, I was kind of surprised that they didn't have a better running game, uh, you know, through it all. Uh, but they still, I mean, they got, you know, still 124 yards rushing, uh, Bucky Irving was really kind of held in check, the only two yards per carry. Um, Washington, on the other hand, I wasn't expecting the running game from them this this week. Uh, you know, they've had some games where they've really been stifled. Others where Johnson's had a fine uh, rushing attack. But, man, he he was a bell cow this this time, and he, he put the team on his shoulders, really. Michael Penix still did his thing. You know, the, the wide receivers ate. But Dylan Johnson got the tough yardage when he needed to. Uh and they pulled out the win. They did what they needed to do again in a tight, tight game. Found a way to win. So, uh, Washington's your Pac-12 champions, man. What do you guys got on this one? I was more or less just disappointed in Oregon's lack of ability to push the ball down the field. Still, you know, they just couldn't hit passes longer than ten or fifteen yards. And the ones that they did, the receivers were dropping the balls. And Washington's defense, shockingly, I know on paper it doesn't look good, but they did just enough to get Oregon off the field, especially on third downs. And Nick's, to me, I think he's out of the Heisman. I don't think he's going to win it. Just because they there is no ability to stretch the field with Oregon unless it's yards after catch, which at that point, I think I said that in our group, it's – the receivers doing the work at that point for Knicks. I think it's a two-man race now between Penix and Jaden Daniels. Yeah, for for the game, to talk about the game for a second, is just in the first meeting between these two teams, we all re- really came away from it saying Oregon simply outplayed them up and down the field for all four quarters. We came away from it. What I came away from the game is that Washington probably heard that all season long and came out like we expected them the first time around. So I fully, once I realized, once I watched, was watching the game and saw that Washington had that intensity, I knew, I figured this was going to be a close game already. But then when the way that Washington was playing the game, I just felt from about the second quarter on that Washington had a rhythm 
that they weren't going to let let this game go. And that was about when I kind of realized that maybe Oregon might not have what it takes. And Blake, you're, you're right on the money with it. Uh, stretching the field for n- not the inability to stretch the field for Oregon is was 100% the key in this game. And my hat's off to the secondary of Washington keeping those wide those speedy wide receivers in check and not having getting them big plays. Because this that, season, Oregon did live on those big plays, those big breakaway plays. That Muhammad on Washington, that dude is an absolute unit. He is a lockdown corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's very, very good. He is. And that's why he was one of our players of the week. I mean, he against Oregon State, I believe, mm-hmm. absolutely locked that game down in the rain. That's He's, he's a beast, man. Uh, I'll say watching uh, this game a little bit more, Penix really – I know he trusts his receivers, but I saw some of his balls were just – some of his passes were just, you know, kind of just up there and just kind of lobbed it. Uh, you know, his throwing motion also throws me off a little bit. I don't know if you guys, like, watch it, his ball through. On, to it. It's, it's weird. A weird but it doesn't doesn't quite look normal. doesn't now, quite I mean, look normal. He's still a hell of a quarterback, obviously. He can sling it, but he some of those balls are – too, man. Like, but yeah. Some of those uh, – bat- he gets very inaccurate – not very inaccurate, but – just he doesn't have as good to control the ball when you see him throwing off of his back foot, like most quarterbacks. Granted, but like it, with his we- odd throwing motion on top of throwing off his back foot, it just it, yeah. it gets lobbed up there. Like I'm like that's saying. to me that feels like, like Pick City to me, you know. But <laughs> it looks like when he's releasing the ball, like he's throwing so hard. Yeah, but it, yeah. the ball like kind of floats. Like it's it's a weird it's looking. Strange. It's an yeah, optical it's illusion for sure. Just I'm something sure. I I know I realized I figured many others do too, but it was just yeah. interesting. Uh, yeah. we're again we got a lot to talk about, so we're oh, I'm gonna yeah, get real on quick. Penix oh, Penix number one, hands down. Jaden Daniels has one? lost the ability to win the Heisman, in my opinion, because Penix is now performing at the Top uh, top of the college football world as far as I I'm think concerned. ultimately he'll he's walking win it away. As well. I, I know yeah. a lot of opening for the uh, the voting happens before the the, the uh, championship game weekend. I think that's horrible. Uh, it shouldn't be done. <laughs> yeah. Imagine voting for that before you know you you see other candidates play. I, that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I mean, Penix has done everything that he's been asked to do. He's won. Every big game that he's had on the schedule, they've had a very tough conference schedule. What, what else can he do? Uh, I know Jane Daniels is very, you know, talented. He's great runner. He's, you know, he's won games with his legs and not his arm. But the big games that he had, they they dropped. You know, so it's I, I don't know. He, he's very talented too. I, I I don't think you go wrong with either. But I I would still lean Penix just yeah. because what he did for his team this season. Yeah. And getting and, him to the playoffs. And you know something? Speaking speaking of doing everything he needs to do to win, <laughs> let's go into the Florida State Florida State ACC championship game. Why don't we just dive right into the Florida yeah. State yeah, we can do that. game, Louisville Cardinals game. Florida State, um, well, that game was pretty much a snooze fest the whole game. Um, that was probably the – I don't know, the sloppiest championship game out of the weekend, in my opinion, um, oh, yeah. as far as the Power Five goes. Sure. Um, the, I just, you know, Florida State did everything that they needed to do to shut down Louisville, which I 
hats off to the Florida State defense. I thought they did a phenomenal job against mm-hmm. that Louisville offense and keeping that running game in check. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, hats off to Florida State, third-string quarterback, and you just rocking and rolling, just keep on winning. Uh, it is a damn shame that things are happening the way they are, but um, it is what it is. But I leave it to you guys. What do you all think about this? Oh, it's a damn shame. <laughs> I would say that they've got probably easily a top five front four on defense. Between Fisk and Verse, that combination is ridiculous. It's nasty. It's nasty for sure. It is, man. It's it is. They're beasts. Watching that them defense play, is no like, joke. If they had if they had a I mean Look, I think their offensive weapons are okay. Um, I think, you know, I was at the beginning of the season, I think I was a little higher on the wide receiving core for Florida State than I, uh, that initially kind of turned out to be not the case. Is I feel like that they aren't as, they're big and monsters. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. They're like Megatron, but slower. Um, and, you know, they're that big, but um, I just don't, I just, I don't know. I think the wide receiving core actually did, didn't do the quarterback position any any help, really, other than being large um, towards the back part of the season when they were starting to play better, a little better competition. Yeah, and it, it's one thing, you know, again, we, we play the whole season and you look at – you have to look at the whole season. And when you go back and you look at when they played LSU and what we expected from LSU uh, defensively, you know, they did bring in transfers. We knew – we said that in preview that, you know, how would they mesh uh, with, you know, changing of, of, you know, their defensive backs. We thought they were still going to be pretty dang good, but we said that there's no way they'd make it through that, that schedule that they had on skate, which held true. But that first game, Florida state, I mean, they were, those wide receivers were cooking, man. It just turns out, you know, LSU's defense is horrible <laughs> so, yeah and a uh, couple hot games uh definitely yeah. gets the hype train going but you got to sustain those yeah, those performances exactly. throughout the whole season to be called a great uh wide receiving tandem and whatnot yeah and I, again on this game seven sacks for their defense 14 tackles for loss they they completely shut down louisville uh which might have been an anomaly this year. I, I'd probably say a little bit on the yes side of that. They've had some good wins, obviously. They also had some bad losses, uh, but it you know they're still a top fifteen team. You know when you when you rank them, and Florida State did everything they needed to do with the third string quarterback. Uh, well, we're obviously going to talk about this later for for those of you that are very uh, you know interested <laughs> yeah, in this conversation. Up. We, we got to get these games this up, guys. <laughs> All right, yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be something. Uh, so let, let's talk Michigan Iowa real quick. Uh, Michigan again, uh, three third time uh, Big Ten champion. Uh, we, we knew going into this game, or at least you know, I think Michigan fans expected this to to go a certain way. It's not going to be you know, it's not going to be a beauty contest. It's not going to be going out chucking the ball, you know, five hundred yards and. Uh, it's vanilla. You, they knew that Iowa's offense was horrible. Okay, it simply is just not good, and their defense is very strong. So, what's Michigan going to do? They're just going to get enough to get first downs, get some points. Really, after that first field goal, it was over. Uh, a lot of short yard situations because of turnovers. Um, Michigan did what they needed to do to get out there with a the win. Uh, when when I looked at the tape, 
uh, as I, I've gone back again on my the blog, I, I look at, at what they'd show, and you could see multiple reads from the quarterback that you know there's RPOs all over this offense, but they're they're killed. They don't they don't play them because they don't need to. So they just you can you can see it and you, when you slow it down initially you're like oh why do they just keep running into the same pile you know it doesn't make much sense but there's reads it's just they're kill reads they they don't do them yet because they don't need to there's no sense in it uh, so that's that's what I gathered from that game the defense again did what we knew they were gonna do uh, Mike Sanders still is a Michigan legend uh, love that guy I wish he could stay longer um, but. You know, it's it's done. They got the number one ranking in, when it's all said and done because of a, a upset down the line, and we're going to talk about that here in a minute. Uh, anybody, any, anything on this game? And it's kind of um, self-explanatory. Yeah, I think Mikey Sanders still is probably the probably one of the best players of the weekend uh, with what he made, what, the amount of turnovers that he caused, um, and just the, the sheer. But I think the most telling thing is that they were using him, even though they were out their best corner. It tells you everything about the the level of uh or I guess the lack of respect that Michigan had towards that Iowa offense with they were taking the cuz Will Johnson what didn't play last week or this yeah. past weekend so they took Mikey Sanderson who's their second best corner on the team and they were blitzing him from the corner it tells you everything you need to know is like they don't have any fear whatsoever <laughs> of those wide receivers yeah i will I would I would bet a lot of money that they will not be blitzing from the corner when they go up against Alabama. It might be in, inside linebacker or maybe an outside linebacker blitz, but I highly, highly doubt that it will be a corner blitz. On the off chance that they do, I think it will be coming from a safety. Not They're not going to leave a safety on a wide receiver. I do not think that they would make that mistake. Yeah, well, we'll – uh... We'll have to see how they play it because obviously they've been in uh, different sets over the last couple of weeks getting ready for Ohio State because they could. They didn't have to really worry about a lot of things. They can you know, practice that base set uh, for the Ohio State game. The Iowa game, they were in their actual base, you know, more of a, uh, the 4-2-5 uh, style and then rotating into the 3-3-5 with, um, you know, with some, some sort of you know, corner blitzes like what we saw. Uh, because again, we didn't, we didn't have any really concerns. So you can mix it up and you can get more multiple and comfortable with what you originally like to do. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what Michigan does for the Bama game. Um, you know, and really it's containing Milrow. Uh, but we'll see Blake, anything on this game? Not really. Um, as expected, no offense from Iowa. I heard that the, the security team actually had to go, forcibly remove Iowa after the game because the the team would not leave the field because they were still looking for their offense. <laughs> yeah, yep. I believe I saw that too. And uh, Patet, Patetti or Petiti, whatever the, that dude's name is. What a loser, man. He, he was, yeah. he was running away as well. Yeah. Uh, oh, real quick. I've seen a lot of things about, especially on the main broadcast about saying JJ McCarthy looks so pedestrian and all this stuff. I was like, and there's been a few people that have made comments about our off the Michigan offense and the way JJ plays. And just so everyone is aware, the quarterback position is only a reflection of the way they want to play call. That's it. That's it. 
JJ is capable of making just about any throw you ask him to do. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> there's a game plan, and he respects it, respects the coaching staff enough where he's going to stick to the game plan. He's going to listen to what the coaches do, and that's it. It's not out of yeah. like that's that's what people I feel like aren't used to or don't understand is that this is the most unselfish college football team you will ever see probably for a long time. They are actively in they are what's the word I'm looking for here. They are willing to give up any sort of glory for the betterment of a team. Yeah. And not many teams in the country will, will have players across the board. It's not just onesie twosies. It's the entire team on the same on the same page, which is rare. I'm going to tell you this right now. I've been watching college football for a long time, even Michigan football. I can tell you, I've never felt the energy from a Michigan team or any team other than that before this that feels this way, like how it's us against them, it's the team, all that stuff like that. I just wanted to throw that out there real quick. But I would say – that Iowa is the most selfless team because not only are they willing to give up glory, they're willing to give up all dignity and self-respect for themselves by continuing to play for such an atrocious offense. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's fair, you know, <laughs> but Joe, I do agree with you. This team is very unselfish. They, that's just how they, they are. And that's how Harbaugh is with, with, with them. And it's the, always been the Michigan mantra the team, the team, the team. You, if you're selfish, uh, you know you're probably not starting. You're probably not going to play. We had that that issue a couple of years ago, and uh, those players transferred out. You know, and they're they're not even playing football anymore. So, the the culture is what matters in a football program. Uh, and Michigan's got a good one. There's a, there's a couple other teams that do it right too. Um, but yeah, I, on this one, JJ did what he needed to do you know, accurate in the zones. He had one bad throw that should have been an interception. Uh, it was behind uh, Barner, I believe it was. But he also had a couple of drop passes that were absolute darts. And it, it's just unlike, you know, Colson Loveland to drop passes like that. So I don't know. I, I'm not really worried about it. Uh, I know it's not pretty, but again, it's pretty vanilla when you go back and look at it. Uh, let's go on. Uh, Texas, Oklahoma State. Texas from the from the jump of this game, it, it was over. Uh, they came out swinging. They knew they had to get style points, uh, you know, because they're on the outside, kind of looking in. But they kind of had a, an upper edge when you look at, you know, who who else could jump. And uh, but they had to go out and leave no doubt, and they did that, you know, from from the start. Uh, Quinn Ewers tore it up, you know, four hundred twenty five, four hundred fifty passing yards. I can't remember uh, four fifty two. Uh, the run game was just dominating them. And they're again, without their starting running back, um, you know, he's out for the season, but they're still the stable backs. You know, they do their thing. They work it out. Uh, so Texas, they did everything they needed to uh, shut down that running game. I think their run defense is still really good. Uh, yeah. I mean, not much else to say about this one uh, uh, for me. Yeah. It played into Texas hand. Uh, the strengths of Oklahoma state, are the same strengths that Texas defense is. You know, they've got a great run defense. Oklahoma State, outside of Ollie Gordon, they just don't have a star playmaker, and they mm-hmm. just never had a chance in this game. They're not – they've struggled all season to stop high-powered offenses outside of Oklahoma. But 
you know, UCF ran all over Oklahoma State, never had a chance in that game. You know, it just West Virginia. Yeah, West Virginia. It just that's what happened. Texas was Texas. Yeah. I just I, I I found great. I mean this this was a foregone conclusion in my mind even before the game even started. I feel like that just Texas is above and away, above and away the best uh, the best best team in Big Twelve. Um, and but the thing I was gonna say is that I absolutely loved at the end of the game when all the Texas fans were trolling the the Big Twelve commissioners chanting SEC. It was fantastic. I got a kick out of that. Yeah, they're they're buying in, aren't they? The yeah. Oh, they're all in. They are all in. They're Jeez. ready for next year's Texas Texas A and M matchup. They're ready for oh, it. They, there's some other people that aren't ready for that either. Yeah. <laughs> so I hate to say it, but God, we'll, we're going to talk about that in the portal here shortly. Uh, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of people not ready for that. You know it. I, again, I don't we'll think I don't think Elko's ready for it. That's for sure. Jeez. We'll talk about it when we get to the floor because I got things. I'm like, oh no, okay, okay. I, gotta <laughs> I know we're about to squir- we're this close to squirreling, boys. We're this close to squirreling. <laughs> Focus, damn you. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to try to 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 you know get us back on track here, and let's talk about the Bama and UGA game. Obviously, the biggest game of the night because that's where you know chaos would ensue, and sure enough, it did. Uh, Bama started off strong. They had. Uh, Really, they had Georgia's number at, uh, to, to begin there, uh, in the, especially in the second. Uh, but they they kind of, in the, the fourth, they kind of started letting, get, letting that slip uh, and Georgia get back in it. Uh, but I, I really didn't feel like the game was in doubt for Alabama. Uh, I don't know if you guys might have felt that way. I just, watching it, I felt like I just, things just yeah, couldn't. I, it wasn't clicking. Uh, I mean, you could, Brock, you could tell you know, something stole, was off. Something yeah. was off. Well, I mean, like, McConkey looked looked hurt at times. Uh, yep. You know, he was he came up limping. Uh, Bowers, Bowers definitely didn't look like a hundred percent at all. So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, Carson Beck still he played a good game for you know what he was doing. He you know twenty one of twenty nine for two forty three. Uh, the running game was pretty stifled. Uh, there was a couple you know ten yard. You I don't think explosives are twenty yards and more. So uh, no explosives that I, I'm tracking, but. Uh, in the run game anyway, um, you know, but Bama held him 2.5 yards per carry. So, that, you know, again, Bama's defense is very strong. We know this. Uh, and, and Georgia just couldn't, you know, finish this game off. Even though they were close at the end, uh, Bama did what they needed to do on defense. And then Milrow, yeah, not a great passing game. We know that from him. But he, he gets random, you know, balls that are bailed out by Isaiah Bond. Uh, again, <laughs> the bond is, you know, he, he is to me the best player for Alabama. He is the star of yep. that offense. Uh, I know Milrow gets the, the hype and the praise, you know, from nope. the media. He ain't the best player on that team. I, it's bond, man. Bond and, uh, Jermaine Burton do a lot. Um, and then the new, the new running back too, I guess I mean, not new, but you know, the new starter after the injuring, uh, Roydell Williams, he, he had a good game. Uh, yeah, Blake, uh, Trevor, what's, what's your takes on this one? All I got to say is that Milro is going to end up being, I mean, as much as I hate to say this, he's like kind of like a Vince Young Vince Young player where he can kind of throw the ball. He has a strong arm, but the mofo can run. 
and that r- dude can run well. Um, and mm-hmm. that's that's I mean, as a as a as a fan, that concerns me. And as, as an analyst, it intrigues me. Like as as someone that just likes to look at a game and just see how it is. Like the Michigan Alabama matchup is very intriguing to me because it's really, I think, the first game that Michigan is going to have to play where they legitimately have to worry about the run game from coming from the quarterback. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. It's interesting for me. But outside of that, I thought Milrow did everything that you could possibly ask him to do in that game. I thought he managed it fairly well. There were definitely some no-eyes Milrow moments in that game for certain. Yeah, <laughs> at least four, Blake. You're absolutely right. Um, but – other than that, my hat's off to the secondary of Alabama for absolutely dismantling that wide receiving core and just keeping them under wraps. I thought that they all did a very, very good job of keeping control of the wideouts because I think I thought Georgia wideouts were a lot faster and a lot you know better than what they showed, and I I really thought that I thought that in this game. Alabama's wide receivers are what the story of the game was. They were getting separation against this really good D- Georgia D. So I'm just going to open with this. <clears throat> I've got, um, you know, like you go to a grocery store, you get receipts. Well, I keep receipts too, but for different things. And I just wanted to read a few of the things that I read throughout the week. Let's see here. All right. This was, these are all after the Auburn game. Congrats to Bama and the refs. Can't wait to see Georgia smoke that ass by 21. All right, that was posted after the Auburn game. Got another one here. Hearts go out to Bama fans when Georgia tears that ass up next week. That was a good one. Love that one. Give me the dogs by 28. Bama doesn't stand a chance. Go dogs. I liked that one too. That was a pretty solid (laughs) one. So, Bama did exactly what they needed to do to win this game. They held Brock Bowers at bay, and he—I could tell he was banged up too. And um, mm-hmm. McConkie was—he was limping around, especially in the second half there. <clears throat> uh, Carson Beck. I think the game plan going into this was try to make Carson Beck win the game, and we did pretty good outside of that first drive. And then we had another drive in the second half where they they went down the field on us pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the run on the ground, but the defense for Bama, they showed up and they played well. And I mean, they kept Georgia out of the end zone and Milrow. I think Bama should have won this game by 14 to 21 more. I mean, Milrow missed some wide open opportunities. I mean, uh, CBS pointed out two of them, the mm-hmm. Isaiah bond wide open and Burton wide open, jumping up and down, screaming, so, hey, look, uh, Milro, nobody within 40 yards of me. And Milro's like, okay, I'll throw it out of bounds. And, uh, you know, that's what he did. And then we had Dupree coming across on a crosser, and the safeties for Georgia got tangled up, and two ended up running on the opposing crosser with Burton. Nobody went with Dupree, and he's, like, running up the left sideline. Milro's, like, over here staring at a butterfly or something. I don't know, you know, doing <laughs> Milro things. and But – I do have to compliment him. He did not make mistakes. He played mistake-free football, and 
We did have a couple of dropped passes that should have probably been caught, but we played a solid game. And if this team could ever play a complete game and Milrow learn how to be a passing quarterback, it would be a deadly offense at Alabama. I just don't know if he's capable of that. You know, some quarterbacks are, some aren't. He's just a run-first quarterback, and I don't know that he's going to grow into a a passing pocket passing quarterback like he wants to be. And, you know, he interviewed with somebody, uh, I don't remember the girl's name, but he told her, she asked him, why does he stay in the pocket so long? And he says, because I want to throw the football before I run, but he runs a four, three. He's the fastest player on the team. Yeah. I mean that it's insane at his size that he's got that kind of speed and we don't utilize it. Like I think we should. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Blake, let me ask you a question. Out of the two defenses, do you think that Michigan or Georgia's defense has the capability of covering and taking care of Milrose running capability? Because Georgia didn't seem to have any answer for his running ability. I'll put it like this. I haven't seen anybody really contain Milrose running ability this season because he's always he's he's not like Jaden Daniels level or anything like that, but we don't really utilize him in a way to showcase it. We did against LSU, and I think he put up like 165 and two touchdowns. But then in, in the second half of Tennessee, he did fairly well. But most of his are broken down plays mm-hmm. where he just scampers out and yes. it just happens. And that's hard to contain – for the best of defenses. I mean, that's mm-hmm. look what Auburn did to Alabama. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's when it's not a designed run play and the quarterback just sees a break in coverage or a, a break in a block or a, a hole or something and they just hit it, you know, the best of defenses can't defend that. Yeah. But I will say from what I've seen, Michigan and Georgia's defenses seem to be very comparable to me. I think they both have really good uh, front fours. I think mm-hmm. Michigan's got a good defensive line. And um, based off of the Ohio State game, I, I think they've got a solid secondary too. Yeah, they. it's just the, it's a game plan. You know, it's it's just trying to get the right game plan to have somebody spying him, uh, but also not just relying on a spy at every time you've got to rely on chaos. And, uh, you know, pressuring him, you know, getting him out of that com- comfortable, you know, zone of his and, and breaking it down and making him make mistakes. See, uh, what makes it so difficult to defend is, he, you know, you can force him to pass. That's how you mm-hmm. beat a quarterback like Milrow is make him beat you with his arm because that's where his weakness is. But when you have receivers that can bail out a quarterback like mm-hmm. that, that makes it hard to defend that even. And yes. Isaiah yep. Bond and Jermaine Burton have really come on this season. Yep. And I mean, they very seldomly do they drop a ball. Yeah. And I mean, even in like really good, Burton has really surprised me this season because he struggled a little bit last year catching in, in clutch moments. But this year, I mean, even in the tightest of coverages, he goes up and gets it and comes down with it nine out of 10 times. Yeah. And that's hard to defend. And, yeah. And I think the only difference that I see in Michigan's defense and Georgia's defense is that Michigan has the ability, unlike Georgia, because I think Georgia's second team, you get a talent fall off 
a little bit if they were to if they were rotate in a whole new defensive line, you'd get a talent fall. With Michigan, Michigan has the benefit of nine defensive line starters that all play yep. play active snaps. So I feel like that in that particular case, if they can set the edge and keep Milrow in the pocket as best they can, I think that they might have an opportunity to be able to make him make mistakes or throw the ball maybe before he's ready to throw the ball. And so that's another benefit to Bama is we're really deep on defense. That's like when McKinstry went mm-hmm. out, a lot of people were concerned. And I'm like, no. And I even told one of y'all, and I think yeah. it was Brendan, I'm mm-hmm. like, no, just wait. Amos is a solid guy. And uh, he come in, and I think his first play, they went to the end zone on him, and he just swatted that shit like it was nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, but they've seen a lot of playing time this year. And like our front four, we rotate guys in and out a lot. We've got mm-hmm. six or seven guys that can come in and play just as good as the first. Yep. Yeah. The, so be- the gonna... best the best defense re- best defenses have that ability. If they if you don't, if you're only relying on your four and then that's mm-hmm. it, uh you they're gonna get burned out, especially in these elite competition yeah. games where it's massive people banging into massive people. Like it's you just, have to you know, go four quarters, you know. You, you have, have to be to able have to go ability. four quarters, and you have to be able yeah. to have fresh bodies. So it's going to be interesting, and in, you know, to see how this game plays out moving forward. But Bama again did what they need to do to get the win. Uh, Milrow, you know, bailed out a couple times, but those those catches were so crucial. And then, really, you know, when you look at Milrow's running, he only had twenty nine rushing yards on fourteen carries. But it was the very end that 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 salting the game away. You know, uh, there were more designed runs. You know, kind of outside sweeps uh, in a way. You know, quarterback sweeps and uh, you know, then cutting back across the grain. I, I noticed that in the what was it? I'm trying to remember. I think it was I think it was Washington uh, that also did that at the end of the yep, game. They did. Uh, Penix. Yeah, and then Johnson as well. You know. Sweep to the hard, to hard right side, and then mm-hmm. stop, and then cut right back, and there the lanes were just there to to, to fall, uh, polish them off. So, you know, we've got obviously the playoffs are set, right? We we've got the rankings; they came out, and uh, I think we'll just go ahead and start talking about this because obviously games are over. Group of five stuff, you know. There's some there's some upsets there, and you know things have happened, but let's talk about the stuff that everybody wants to hear. Uh, Number one, Michigan jumped up. Obviously, Georgia got beat, so they fell back. Their strength of schedule wasn't enough to keep them in with one loss. Uh, and obviously, they lost. You know, And there was too many people around to keep them in. I know there was a lot of people upset that Georgia, yeah, they're the best team. Okay, yes, they're very talented, but they lost. You know, They, they had uh, poor strength of schedule when it all came down to it, uh, so they got kicked back. Michigan moves up to number one. I think you could have made an argument for Washington to be there, you know, based on, you know, their, their season as well. But committee kept uh, Michigan at one. Washington went in at two. Those two were expected, especially after Washington got that win. Number three is is where things were starting, you know, when they were dropping them. We're like, okay, we, we know what's going to – there's drama. We know this is happening. What is going to, to play out? Everybody kind of had that feeling that, Somebody was going to, you know, get screwed, and it's most likely Florida State. And uh, when Texas dropped at three, I immediately was like, oh, yeah, they're done. Uh, because they they, tend, they have a tendency to, to group teams, uh, you know, like undefeateds or, you know, whatever. 
And when Texas went in at three, I kind of had that feeling, oh, they're they're done for. And then sure enough, they went to six and they, you know, they went to five. And I'm like, oh, they, they know what they're doing, man. And then sure enough, uh, you know, number four was was Bama. And this is where obviously the controversy is, is Florida State getting left out. Uh, you know, obviously they horrible what happened to Jordan Travis. He, you know, broke his leg against UNA. Uh, they had to bring in somebody that they felt they trusted in Rodemaker. And uh, then just horrible luck. He got, you know, dang concussion. Uh, and then, he, you know, he couldn't play the, the championship game. So that perception of the third string quarterback playing against, you know, top 15 team, you know, granted uh, they did have some bad losses. They're still top 15. Uh that perception of just how ugly that game was for Florida state, even though their defense killed it, the offense was just so atrocious, you know, with the third string quarterback, the committee even said it. They're like, well, it's a third string quarterback. The way it really made us change our minds. This game was that they can't do this in the playoffs. So they left them out. Bama, obviously they had a good strength, very good strength of schedule. Uh, They did win their championship. Uh, So, I mean, they're a deserving team as well. I just I I just would not have put them in over an undefeated myself. I, I don't think it's right. Uh I granted they, you know, they're a different team, blah 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 blah, you know, whatever. It still doesn't really matter to me. I, I don't think it's right, but it happened. Uh so yeah, I guys that what's your what's your thoughts on this? I, I feel bad for, for Florida State's players mainly. Um, you know, fans obviously it sucks, but what can you do? At this point, yeah. See, I was never a fan, and I've said it. You can vouch for it from the get-go. I've never liked the idea of the four-team playoff when you have five Power Five conferences. Yeah. Because we've been fortunate up until this point where there hasn't really been a scenario. But it was bound to happen at some point, and it, of course, happens the last four-team playoff season. But mm-hmm. you have five, six teams that all have an argument and have a case to be heard about being in the playoffs, and you have four spots. And that's just going to end with somebody's feelings are going to be hurt somewhere. And that's not to say that the teams that are in are not deserving just because there is other teams that are also deserving. Cause I, I do believe Florida state deserved a spot in the playoff, but I also believe Texas and Alabama deserved a spot in the playoff, Georgia. They have a case as far as being one of the best teams. Sure. But when you have five conference champions, that are undefeated or one loss, you can't put a non-conference one loss champ or a non-conference champion one loss team into the playoffs over another. So I, I do I do feel for Florida State, but it's just it's it's just that you know they just got the short end of the stick. I'm going to be a bit controversial on this because I am super pissed about this because I, I think I told, I said this to you, Brendan, I can't remember if it was last night or maybe it was when I, when we first heard about it, 
that the playoff committee just essentially destroyed the meaning of regular season. They destroyed the meaning of the championship. They destroyed it all. Like by by excluding a thirteen and O team that did nothing wrong. The 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 quarterback being injured, that's just a part of the game. <clears throat> the team itself has to still win the game. So at the end of the day, you are you are essentially saying to the SEC, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like that's literally what yeah. you that's what the playoff committee is telling the ACC is that no matter what, if your name is not Clemson, if you're undefeated, you're not getting into the playoff. If there are two SEC teams with one loss and the only losses to the SEC championship also happens to be the, against the number one team in the nation. As soon as I saw Texas drop at three, I knew what was going to happen because there's no scenario where Alabama gets into the playoff and Texas does not. So right. the only way they could put Alabama into the playoff is if they put Texas into the playoff. And that's that's really where I it may it may sound like I'm spitting conspiracy theories, but really it's just that they want to put they wanted to put the best four teams they believe to play against each other, not the most deserving. If it was the most deserving, we'd have three undefeated teams in Texas. That's probably where it would fall if they were just to go chalk and go Michigan, Washington, Florida State, three undefeateds, and then that last spot. Again, like y'all said, you can make an argument for three three different teams to go it back, go into that four spot. But I think at the end of the day, they would have put in Texas in there. Well, I'm um, not yeah. saying this to even sound crazy or or anything like that. Just in general, um, I don't think it's fair to uh, non Power Five schools like Liberty. You know, they they I know that they don't play as tough of a schedule, but they play on the same level opponents as them and they go undefeated and they literally get nothing. You know, like we yeah. hop up like mm-hmm. James Madison and like, what if coastal Carolina went undefeated? That's a big feat for a small program like that. Mm-hmm. And they, they don't even get like a top 10 ranking. They don't even get recognition at all for doing anything. hundred percent agree. And like, we know they agree. wouldn't go in and compete. But that's just like the argument for Florida State. How do you know? Because nobody yeah, gave Boise State a chance. Be competitive. Yeah, exactly. exactly right. And they beat and, Oklahoma in the Fiesta yep. Bowl. They you certainly did. And that's one where you know I'm all for the playoff because I think it's important in a, such a large field of teams. They're all FBS. There's going to be 135 soon. How can you only have you know two people playing for a national title? To me, that's why everybody called it the mythical nat- national championship. You go back even before the BCS, people are claiming that they never even won. You know, you got teams, you know, saying they got national championships with four losses and five losses. It doesn't make any sense. The NCAA has always had this problem. You know, and then you have the NCAA that's a governing body and and they don't do anything. Where, where's where's the regulations on scheduling? Where's regulations on, you know, all this other shit? But they're worried about a goddamn cheeseburger. You know what I'm saying? So that that's certain things like that. It just – it drives Their me crazy about this sport. Skewed it's and, so well, much. It's ridiculous. And I love college football. I think it's the best sport. I think it's much better than the NFL. I love all the teams. I love the the fandoms, the you know, the uh just the whole thing about it, the aura behind college football. But there's definitely gotta be some changes. And I, I think the twelve will be all right. 
but I think an 18 playoff with some auto bids, you know, in a group of five, you know, auto bid to, to give, because not everybody in the group of five is going to be competing for it, but you get one or two teams a year. That's like, Oh, Hey, they're pretty solid. You know, th- this team might do something. And you know, that's what everybody shits on UCF and they make fun of them. I don't blame them for claiming a, a natty. I honestly don't. Uh, they went undefeated. They beat Auburn in a bowl game. I know it's a bowl game. You know, Auburn, no, they didn't want to be there. doesn't matter. They still won it. Uh, so I can't really blame them. Uh, so, like, if Florida State, if they somehow beat Georgia, uh, you know, with, with Rodemaker, I'd, I'd say hang a fucking banner, to be honest with you. Hang it. Hang it high and proud. I, I would. I'd claim it as a fan. I don't care. Well, I don't know. I don't think this will be well-liked just in general when I say this, but – if you want, you can't find a a best team because it's all matchup based, you know. Yeah, like Bama, Michigan plays. Bama matches up well to Michigan. Say, and I'm not saying this is what I think is going to happen. It's just an example. But say Bama blows Michigan out of the water. But if Bama were to play Washington, and but Texas beat Washington. Washington matches up better against Bama than Texas does because Bama struggles with those very high accuracy, prolific quarterbacks. And say Washington would have smoked Bama, but Bama didn't have to play them because Texas beat Washington. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's all about who you face when you face them. Yes. But when you have 135 teams, even narrowing it down to 12, there's always going to be. I don't care what anybody says. Number 13 is going to complain. If you have 40, number 41 would complain. I think there's, we have too many teams and you know, it it needs to be split into, if you want these power five conference, you need to divide these large teams up into four conferences. It's hard to have an even number playoff with an odd number of conferences. Yeah. And I do believe that's ultimately what the quote conspiracy is. I do think that's the ultimate goal is to have like a North, South, East, West with two divisions in each, and then have like probably 15 teams in each. So you would have 30, 60, 90, what, 120 teams total. And it'd be in four divisions or four conferences with two divisions in each conference. And I feel like we're moving to something like that. They're just trying to set the ground for it. And it would not shock me if, if that was one of the intentions of leaving Florida State out because I think there was three ACC commissioners on the, the committee. So, I mean, that was three going against their own. So, Trevor, unless you got something, uh, I was going to I just say think there's... it's a load of crap. That's yeah. all. Like the, the final four, I mean, my personal feelings aside, I just don't agree – wholeheartedly that this this may be what the matchup everybody wanted wants to see it's not the right matchup that should have happened um is just the way i look at it um while i'm very excited for the matchups that are going to happen it's gonna it'll be it'll it's not right that's uh that's that's my personal view on it um i whoever i was listening to on the radio that called in on the Mac and cube show this morning. He, he described it really good and I can't remember word for word what it was, but it was along the lines of it's, it's so wrong, but it's also right at the same time. And it's like, 
Florida State should have been in 100%. There's there's no doubt because, like you said, what more can you do? All you can do is go undefeated. And, you know, what do you get for it? Nothing. You get to play the SEC could have been. And, and that's not fair to Florida State. It's really not. But it is what it is. But it, that's like I said earlier, the teams that are in it, that we're also worthy to be in it, but it's still just not right. It's right and it's wrong. Like they, they do have, I believe, the best four teams, but it is wrong for Florida State to not be in there just because of their quarterback. I don't like that parameter of the committee, and it's been in there since 2013. They've just never had to use that as a reason to kick a team out. And now they have. And I've seen a lot of people make that Ohio State argument. And I truly believe had Florida State's quarterback come out and played like Cardell Jones, this wouldn't even be a conversation right now. If they blew Louisville Maybe. out of the water, I don't I don't think it would have been a conversation. You know, I, I really don't. For me on, on that is he's a third string and he's a freshman, right? It, this is totally different. If Rodemaker didn't have a concussion – this third string quarterback's not even playing in the playoffs. It would have been Rodemaker who people were really happy about. They even said that they thought the offense looked better. You know, it did. did. We all saw that after UNA had them good, rolling good. That's, that's where it gets me when they're like, well, you know, this third string quarterback, they, the committee said this, uh, Den, I forget her name, Heather Denich, I believe. Yeah. Uh, She always does a damn thing about football. uh, She, she drives me bad shit crazy. Uh, but she goes and she did an interview with, you know, committee members and they were like, well, you know, we go week to week and really it was this week. We, we really just were so just really just shocked at how bad that offense was like, well, no shit. It's a damn third string quarterback. The second string guys, he's ready. He's ready to go. He just got some dang concussion. Yeah, it's like, it's going like, to be the one playing have you in the not playoffs. Been paying attention. They've played 13 games. It's so bound to happen. Someone gets injured. Yeah, so that's just where I, you know, it, I, I think it's so stupid. But again, you know what? Unfortunately, because it pissed me off too. To be honest, it did. But what can like, you do about it? You can't, and uh, you just have to drive. All we on can do and, is keep giving them shit about it because at the end of the day, they deserve yeah. all the shit that's being thrown at them. They're, they're catching a lot of flack of it, and you know, rightfully so. I the the lawsuits and all that. I I don't think so. Whatever. I that's, mean, I don't know what they'll do about weight, it, but. I think it's just people showing support, you know, that's all it is. Uh, my last thing that I'll say on it, you know, people talk about the best teams on oh, the, the four to me, if you're deserve the four best, you are the deserving teams because you've gone through the season, you've done what you need to do. Uh, so Florida state, I think, you know, they, they were one of those. Uh, obviously Bama is very good. I, I, I think, you know, they have in a larger playoff. They do really well as, as well. I don't think they should have been here. I don't think Ohio State had a you know should have been here. They lost to Michigan. They didn't play for a conference championship. Georgia, they shouldn't have been. They lost. Yeah, you know, it's just how it is. Uh, now next year, obviously things are going to change. Uh, but for for this one, it it didn't make much sense to me. Uh, thought it was thought they were wrong. But you know, again, what can you do at this point uh, besides you know speak up and maybe some things change and we get rid of a committee and, and all because there's always biases. Uh, even if people say that they don't, you know, they might be from the same conference, but they don't like Florida State because Florida State's talking about leaving the ACC before this year started. 
Who knows? I don't know. Uh, but currently there is talk of a merger uh, between the ACC teams uh, that are very frustrated about what just happened because they're like, what chance do we have now? You know, if we're if we're going to be just completely discredited and we're a power five conference and just get totally, you know, t- cast to the wayside, how can we fix this? So there's conversations right now between the ACC, the Big 12, and apparently uh, the last two of the Pac-12, the Pac-2, that they're trying to find some way to, to work it. So I, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. I think Blake's – I'm not you know, sure what that would solve, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. I, unless they, they – the like, best of them Do they feel like if and, they have more – like I guess I don't understand the premise of the merger because, okay, so they're mad about what just happened, that they got snubbed, but what's the end goal other than adding more teams? Does that mean that they become more powerful? Not really. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Next year, you know, if this was a 12 team or a six team or, you know, we're not even having this conversation right now. We would just be talking about the matchups. I think there was so much hate about the SEC, the Bama LSU replaying for a natty, Oklahoma State getting left out of a natty. There was so much, you know, fire and anger over those things back in the BCS days. They rushed to the four-team playoff. They didn't. Mm-hmm. They should have taken a few seasons and done something different. And I think a lot of people advocated for six from the get-go because yeah. a lot of people a have lot seen of people the issues did. with this. And like, and I've said, I feel like playoffs in general. I feel like that denigrates the regular season, no matter what, because it. At some point, when you have too big of a playoff, no matter what anybody says, it gets in a coach's head, hey, it's okay, I can lose this game. I need to rest my players. It's okay if I get a loss. I'm still in the playoff, whatever. Yeah. And that's – I was a fan of bowl games mattering. Like now, no one gives a shit if they win the Orange Bowl. You know, Florida State don't give a fuck about winning the Orange Bowl. Now, they may want to go out and prove the world wrong. That's a different scenario. But just in general, like Iowa being 10-2, and two, if they go and win the Capital One Bowl, they don't care. Like I feel like it diminished the bowl games. And just to me, Saturdays haven't felt the same. They haven't felt like they used to when I was a kid, when I was a teenager. They just haven't felt the same since all this. There's been hmm. – 10 times the amount of drama since the playoff and NIL and all this got into football money ruins everything. Money can't fix everything. And, you know, um, I think you was about to say a second ago, Brennan, about what I said about the, the four big conferences. Yeah. Um, I think what a great model would be is, and I know you've said this before too, have a playoff with the BCS placing the teams for the playoff because there's no bias with that. It's all mathematical. It takes everything into account, strength of schedule, head to head, how you look style points. It's all factored in, but I think we could cut teams out like Vanderbilt's and like UConn teams like that. They could form a separate league. And I mean, it's, I know it's good for those. I mean, they don't compete. You know, if you're wanting to find the true best team of college football, you know, this whole FCS, FBO, well, they're FBS, but it's UConn. But, you know, it's 
it's still no different than playing North Dakota State, who's you know the height of the FCS. You know what what difference is there between that and playing UConn or Georgia Southern or whatever? Yeah, you know, let them form their own league. They can have their own playoff, do whatever the hell they want to do because no one cares about them anyways. They their fan base is made up of alumni or fucking retarded people. I don't know, but. <laughs> No one willingly picks Vanderbilt as their team. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? You went there. Your dad went there. Yay, Vanderbilt, whatever. We're you got drunk nine. once in Nashville, so now you're a fan. Hey, right. look, I, I hear you on that, but I feel that's that's more of a like <clears throat> the NFL thing. And I don't like the NFL because there's only 32 teams. You know, yeah. it, it gets well, it wouldn't to be, me. We would still I have know what like you're 90. saying. They're, yeah. There's still a lot, but I, I still like seeing, you know, all the different uniforms and the, you know, the teams. Look, at the end of the day, Vanderbilt if beats there Tennessee is... all the time. You know, it's just one of those things, you know. Should. It's... They should have. <laughs> I'll tell you this much is like, I mean, I like I somewhat agree with you, Blake, but at the same time, I like the idea that if they do a run the table, there's a chance that they could squeeze in at the 12 spot. Yeah. of a playoff and just yeah. let's just see if it's a blowout yeah. it's a blowout and then they're like yeah. well you got what you, what you wanted you wanted to play against right. the big boys and you got what you wanted oh, so no, that's what team back in like 2009 would have been fun as hell with heck the missouri Boise and kansas and all that Boise stuff, state like, yeah hawaii. you had a lot of the, yeah you had those teams like yeah hawaii went 11 and 1 and got blasted by georgia that yeah, year yeah they certainly you did know? but that's that's what makes the playoff fun but then when those games happen, then that's when the people come in. See, see what happened? They shouldn't have been yeah. there. My team should have been there. There's always going to be a mad person. Here's my that's, thing. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, as far as the playoff goes, I'm kind of on the opposite side of the aisle from you, Blake, as far as feeling that it diminishes the regular season, only because I grew up as a hockey player and playoffs was all we played for during the regular season. We played to be in the best position possible to have the best opportunity to get all the way through the playoffs to the state finals. And I don't care what anyone says. If you've ever been a part of a playoff system, it's never easy. I mean, regardless of, okay, you get, you squeak into the playoffs, but you still have to play the games and win. And I just, I feel like the playoff system is going to drive. I think it'll be pleasant. I think it'll, bring more viewership to the college football than, and I think it'll pull away people from the NFL, in my opinion, because I think people will s- gravitate to the student athlete more so than these pros making, I don't care what anyone says, the, the college athletes are not making what those mofos are making in the NFL. No. Yeah. I, again, it. I, I like playoffs. I think it's good. I think they, again, like Blake said, they rushed into the four team. They're idiots. Yeah, they did. I mean, why four? There's so many people. Six, make it six to jump and see and go from there. I think twelve can be fine. I really do, but I, I still eight is my favorite. Yeah. Uh, you know, give give champions auto bids, and then the teams that you know didn't make it. You know, it is what it is. You know, you should have won your championship. Twelve is uh, better than four for sure. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm with I, you. I think six or eight would be a better format. But you know. I know it sounds like an odd number. But I feel like why not? Why not just do the playoff through the top ten and just call it a day? Like just do the top yeah. ten teams and boom, they're, See, they're in I the playoff. I always felt like six. You let your one and two seeds have that first round bomb, mm-hmm. yeah. and you let. 
three the, through the bottom six. four. Yeah. yeah. You let the bottom four play. Yeah. And that way you're, you get a reward for being one and two. And yeah. then there's no argument about that leaves room for a one-off team coming in. Like it would be like a Liberty or yeah. then the Alabama, the Texas, the Georgia, the Ohio state or whatever, you know, we're not even having this episode right now because of this. Yeah. And I just think six is is the way. I think that'd be the best way. And then that also still, you've got it. It gives you incentives for the throughout the regular season, and it still leaves room for bowl games to matter somewhat. Yeah. And I'll say I know like for the group of five or the the power five fans, you know, bowl bowl games don't really matter as much. Uh, I mean, I still root for my team. I'm still gonna you know want to bowl in but you know with like you said now the transfer portal uh the window's open now so everybody's leaving uh so these teams are going to look totally different when they go play their bowl game uh in a way to me that's kind of fun because you're like oh this team you know you look at the names and you're like hold on they just lost their quarterback their running back their wide receiver talking like notre dame they've got no wide receivers left on their roster (laughs) So I'm like, I mean, Ohio chop. State lost their quarter, their starting quarterback they, plus uh, like three or four like defensive players. Today. Yeah, so, they uh, lost a ton. We'll I really hope that. that's. So, oh. I'll, I'll just I'll say that when we get to that part. Um, that was what I, I had something to say about the transfer portal, but yeah, yeah, we'll we'll hit it real quick in just a second. Uh, but it, it's just you know it's one of those things. Bowl games for us they don't seem to matter as much, but I'm telling you for those programs and everything. They still absolutely matter because you get those extra practices. And it's basically a, a spring game at this point uh, to me going forward. It's a scrimmage. Uh, you get your young guys in there. Obviously, you still play to win. You're, if your guys don't leave, hey, good for you. You're probably getting a bowl win. Uh, but you get those extra, was it, 15 practices or whatever. Uh, that, that's huge for these lower programs uh, to, to build depth and to get these young guys going for next season. And I also, I think uh, – Maybe not totally related, but I'm pretty sure I just read that, you know, usually for a red shirt, it's four games and you can't play any more than four games. I think they just made it five games or hold on. No, it's still four games, but they can play in the bowl game. Uh, so if, you're, if you've got four games already played as a freshman or as a sophomore, whenever you're red shirting, you are now allowed to play in the bowl game without penalty to your red shirt. So I think that's pretty important, too. Um I mean that that's that's all you got on this. I, I don't know. Uh, you guys want to talk about the the transfer portal? I, I mean it's hot right now, man. It's cooking. It's a hot topic. I just think that needs to be the next thing. There's got to be some type of like regulation come in to the transfer portal. Yes, because I, I think it's like it's it's absolutely ridiculous. I think it's it is lot. absolutely <laughs> insane. It's a shit show right now, and. That's like like Cam Ward. It's still the it's still the freaking season, and you've got teams already offering him a million dollars to come play for him. I mean that that's just that's insane. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And like I, I think we talked about this, Brendan, you and I. Mm-hmm. I just me. I, I like the idea of you have to sit out a year if you transfer, unless you know. There's there's situational things like case by case basis for coaches for leaving. Things. I feel like should be a, yeah. a qualifier for being able to transfer and play immediately. Yeah. I'm fine with coaches leaving. I'm fine with like if you're trying to get into a master's program and the current school you're at don't offer it. You know things like that. But this whole like 
oh, I'm not getting playing time, so I'm going to transfer somewhere mm-hmm. else and get to just go in and start. I don't like that. And because I think that's bad for one, the fans of your team, you know, say, say like Oregon state, you know, their coach just left and they're, they're riding hot right now. They're getting solid recruits in. They're having a, a really good seasons as of late. And now their team, their team's probably going to be in shambles by the end of it. And the fans are going to have to deal with, you know, three and eight seasons, most likely again for another five or six years while they rebuild. And then I don't like the idea of, you know, a a player that may have been a five-star, he goes to a school and he's not getting to start at that school. And then he transfers to a different program that has like, you know, a a senior that's been waiting to play and is finally hit the time has come for him. And then this guy's just going to walk in and start because of his caliber or something at like a lower tier school. And yeah. I just don't think that's fair to the lower tier schools in those situations. And then you get into that argument, oh, well, it's the best man's going to get the job or whatever. Well, then why didn't he stay and be the best man at his program he was originally at? You know, that I don't like that. And I think if you put something in place to where they knew they had to sit out a year and something's got to be regulated with the financial aspect of it too. And it, there's just too much going on and too much. There's no regulation over it. It seems like, yeah, it's and like that, one big gray area. It is. It, it's it is. And it is sadly, uh, it's one of those where again is the NCAA. They, they put out this rule and then it becomes a wild west and then they react to it. You know, there's, there's no set out plan or process. It's, Hey man, we're going to do this. And then, Oh, Oh, this is happening. Oh, wow. Okay. A couple years later. Oh, here's a new rule. You know, we'll change it. Uh, the tampering I think is very wrong. Uh, I don't mind transferring because normal students can transfer, uh, without penalty. You know, if you want to go to a, if you're a normal student and you want to go, you know, to different, you know, law school, I don't know. You can transfer. Probably wouldn't, but you're, you know, you can uh, th- these are athletes and I get it. You're building a team. It's tough for, for coaches. It makes recruiting really hard. You've got to now recruit your own people that are already on your roster. So I think it is a little different, obviously for athletes. Uh, so I don't mind, you know, necessarily the one term transfer, but at the same time, I, I agree with you, Blake. I-, I think you should not be penalized at least uh, when it comes to your years of playing. If you transfer and you can't play that year, that shouldn't, you know, knock you off from, you know, not getting to play for another season. Uh, so what I'm saying is that you have four years of eligibility that knocks you down to three yeah. years of eligibility. I don't think yeah. that's right. I think keep it, you know, if there's a year penalty, sure, but you still have four years of eligibility. Right. Cause to me that that's kind of shitty. Uh, that's what I was saying. I probably should yeah. have more clear on that, but yeah. Oh, okay. That, so yeah, that that's, that's where I would be on that is don't get rid of eligibility, but yeah, yeah I, I don't mind them sitting penalized. in. Yeah. Like you made a choice, you didn't stick to it. You know you're gonna sit a year, but you don't you lose that year of eligibility. Uh, again, dra- grad transfer thing. I, I'm totally fine with grad transfers. Uh, you know, certain programs don't have what they what you want. Uh, yeah, it, it happens. I'm, Dan, my w- wife and I are looking at that right now on some things for master's program for her, and schools don't have it. You know, it's it's tough. So I I, I understand that position completely. Um, but yeah, changing of coaches for sure. You know, that to me, that's an instant. Hey, yeah, go wherever the hell you want. I, I don't blame you. 
Because sadly, like obviously we're fans, but these kids they they go to school to play for a coach or a position coach or whatever. And once they're gone, they're like, "Well, why the hell am I here? I went to this guy," you know. Uh, so I don't know, Trevor. Um. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I, I think it's fine. <laughs> I, I mean, like I, it. I love it. I like it. I, here's but the there's thing: things it that is not. Fixed. It's not about. It's not about the teams. It's literally about these these young kids. Look, they signed. They granted, hundred percent agree. They went to this school. Well. There could be a plethora of different reasons. They don't like the atmosphere in the locker room. They don't like this. They don't like the way things are going in general with the way the team is moving to a scheme or something like that. That doesn't they don't feel like they would want to play in that system. Like any amount of reasons why they don't want to be there. Guess what? You live in America, you go to American University, you get to choose what you want to do. As far as I'm concerned, you guys, you guys do what you want. Now, I do agree with what y'all are saying. They don't get to play that same year that they transfer. I'm cool with that. I, I'm cool with that no matter what, 100%. But I also don't think that they should lose eligibility just because they've changed their mind or they want to move back closer to home or whatever the case may be. Maybe they're homesick. Because yeah. I know there were a few instances, maybe not this year, but definitely last year, that kids were just like in the middle of the season, like, I can't, I can't be this far away from my family. I want to move back home. Near, that was one near of Tess Walker at North Carolina. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. You're right. Yeah. Yep. 100%. Yeah, and so, it's not that uh, I'm against transferring in general. I just think there needs to be some sort of like like overhead over it. Because it, the, like Brendan, there needs to be bylaws. There need to be yeah, certain there's gotta be, bylaws yeah. and rules set in place. Like, like you said, the tampering thing, 100% agree. Yeah. There yeah. should never be a situation where a coach touches base with a, a player on another team before the bowl season is over. Yeah, In yeah. my opinion, the transfer Absolutely. portal should not be open until the bowl season is over. Right, just yeah. like dead periods in recruiting and stuff. It yep. should be yeah, – there's exactly got to right. be like a, a designated – like a two-week period from bowl, the end of bowl season to signing day. Yep. You can communicate X, Y, Z, whatever – and yep. then from this day to this day, you can't do anything. You know, there's got to be something like that. And then, um, yeah, like like I said, too, I like the one-year sit-out rule. Uh, not losing the year of eligibility, though. You know, if you go and you sit out your year and you've got three or four years left of eligibility, you still have that. You're just going to be a fifth or sixth-year senior or whatever. Yeah. But you know that taking the transfer. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I'm off. I know the coaches, you know, that's who recruits you. You commit to that coach. And, you know, if he leaves, why are you there? You wanted to play for that guy. And uh, I said, too, uh, about situations, there's situations that are going to come up homesick. Uh, your mom gets sick with, like, cancer or something. You want to be home around your family. There's there's things like that, and there should be waivers in place for those situations. Mm-hmm. It should be like a case-by-case thing. But yeah, this 100% whole, agree. hey, I just don't feel like playing here. I'm going to get up and leave. Give me a bag and I'm gone. Like, there's got to be some so- type of yeah. like management over that. Yeah. Yep. And I, like you guys said, um, with that pause in a year, right? When they transfer, um, I think that would immediately um, calm down this whole trying to tamper during the season to try and get one of these 100%. players away from a team 
when these coaches know that, hey, well, I'm not even going to be able to have this player this ne- next next football season. So maybe it'll calm down. Maybe it would calm down that whole immediate need to get this player so we can play him right away type of deal. Yeah. yeah. And again, it's it's a you know it's just a weird topic because again the you know they don't owe anybody anything you know in a way, uh, but you know for teams it is tough because you're recruiting your own team, it, so it, it's a mix uh, of things. And you know to me, if you wanted to transfer, you should be able to. But again, it's it's a tough one, you know. So I, I don't know. There there just needs to be like we've said some sort of regulation, some sort of rule, and. Uh, you know, same with the NIL and, you know, this tampering that's going on. Uh, something's got to change, and maybe it will, maybe it won't. I don't know. But right now it's a Wild West, and it's been pretty high, pretty active today, man. Ohio State's lost like 10 people. Notre yeah, Dame's lost, lost yeah. their whole wide receiver room. Vanderbilt, they, they've vacated the premises. You know, they've lost a bunch of people. Uh, yep. You know, we've got crystal balls for, you know, yep. somebody going to Georgia from Vandy. Uh, just a couple names we'll touch on real quick. Obviously, Walter Nolan's one of the biggest names from Texas A&M because his coach left uh, Syracuse. They did hire a coach from Texas A&M. Uh, so he's supposed to be a pretty good recruiter, really good, uh, really good team guy. So everybody's excited about what they might do at Syracuse. Um, the one uh, for Sparty, Aiden Childs uh, from Oregon State. So Oregon State's now lost both of their quarterbacks. Uh so that's the stuff where you're just like, dang, man, this this is brutal. Uh, it's a cutthroat world out there, man. You got some, you know, crystal balls out to Washington for some uh, Tobias Merriweather. Uh, he's a wide receiver from Notre Dame. Uh, five-star quarterback from Georgia is now transferring to – or is, uh, you know, crystal ball to Kentucky. Uh, to I, I, I don't get that one necessarily, but, you know, it happens. So I don't know. It's just crazy. And uh, obviously like, it opened uh, up today. But yeah, it's hot. Yeah, they got a lot of Riley Leonard taking the Notre Dame visit uh, from yeah. the, Duke, the Duke quarterback. Then we got um, obviously Dylan uh, Dylan Gabriel, OU's QB. No real yep. word on him yet. Uh, Blake, I thought you might. I saw this guy in the transfer portal, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's the guy that Blake was all high on uh, early on in the season from Wazoo, right?" Uh, the mm-hmm. linebacker that made those monster plays in that one game that you were like, he 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 ended up being our uh, from uh, Colorado State. No, uh, no, the the other linebacker from Wazoo, uh, Manuga. Manu- oh yeah, Manoga. Yeah, he's transferring. He's he's entered the transfer portal today too, yeah. uh, and he's only a sophomore. So yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of big oh, names out there. A lot of eligibility is still left for these guys. Oh my so, gosh, I mean, yeah. They're going to be hot commodities. Uh, also, I know- the um, like I like I was telling you guys before that that Keyshawn Silver, former five star five star recruit out of North Carolina, he's mm-hmm. a redshirt freshman entering the transfer portal. Six yeah. four, three hundred fifteen pound D, D tackle. He's he might he's going to be a big get depending on who gets him. I think uh, you'll see some quarterbacks at Bama probably coming out because um, with Julian Sayans coming in uh, now, I mean, he's coming in uh, before the bowl game, he'll be there. Yeah. And uh, we, we've got, we're going to be like six or seven deep at quarterback. Ty They're Simpson. They're going to have to cut somebody. Well, Ty Simpson would probably start at another team. Um, and then Eli Holstein, he's probably, he'll never see the field. Not with, uh, 
Dylan in, at third string and with Sayans coming in, we've just got so much talent in the quarterback room there. We're not going to retain feel. that many. Yeah, we're not going <laughs> to retain them all. And I really hated that because I was really well, they, high they on have Eli scholarships. Holstein. It's not easy to cut a player with that has a scholarship. So if they're walk-ons, yeah. that's one thing. But if they have scholarships, they stuck. Well, you'll see a lot of coaches are pushing people out too. This yeah. this isn't just to a, do transfers. So that, yeah. that's another angle on this uh, that we haven't touched. Uh, you know, a lot of people, are, oh, it's the players, it's the players. It's yeah. The, the coaches push people out too. That, let, let's not be mistaken there. You look at Kyle McCord today. That was guaranteed. The fans. That was that was the fans. I guarantee you, Ryan Day <laughs> said something to him. Yeah, I mean, I guarantee think the fans it. too. They're mad at him. Uh, but that man's the most Ryan, hated man yeah. in Ohio right now. Ryan look, Day look. is hated. He's looking for a win against Michigan. He is desperate. Look, yeah. look. I mean, and there's the, there's room the for him even that. moving. Fans can be mad at McCord, but they should be mad at Ryan Day for sure. For yeah, sure. I, I mean, McCord could have been a really good quarterback for them. Yeah, I, it's just interesting, but he'll probably end I, up at Auburn. That's possible. <laughs> Auburn uh, needs a quarterback. Look, he's they're, a they're, solid. They wanted Will Rogers, a solid quarterback, man. So I, don't I agree. Know, man. I agree. It's it's just interesting. Teams teams push people out, and it happens, and it's going to keep happening because uh, they've got new young like Dylan Gabriel. I think that's another one. Hey, buddy. We really appreciate you this year, but it's time for you to move on because we got a five star sitting back here, and he's ready to play. He he's getting pissed off, or he's going to leave. So I'm gonna have to ask you to to get to step in. You know, uh, you've been a you've been in college for seven years, so uh, he's a huge one in the portal, man. Huge. He's gonna he's gonna be a killer one timer for for somebody if he yep. goes to the right program. That's the that's the thing. If it's a spread uh, program, I think you know what would be interesting. Dylan Gabriel to the Houston, Houston after they got Cliff Kingsbury as the new head coach. Yeah, that'd be something. I think that'd be interesting. That would be. I you you look at you know all the the openings and quarterbacks really have jumped into it, but you know Cam Ward, all hey, these Dante Moore, what if you he got went all these to guys. Uh, Arkansas with Perino. Yeah, yep. yeah, Arkansas has got point. an opening. You got oh, Arkansas everywhere. needs a quarterback. One, one Everybody door needs a solid door, quarterback. You know? <laughs> Washington guess, State needs a quarterback now. Yeah, yes, Oregon State needs a quarterback now. Ohio State Duke, needs Duke a quarterback. Needs one. Duke needs a quarterback. North Carolina needs a quarterback. There was there ninety-four go. quarterbacks in the transfer portal already, and they're it's all going to find a team somewhere, and they're I'm all sure. just going to swap. You know, it's it's all just like all right, yeah. you you know, you're just it's switching insane, out, man. Yeah, I, I don't know, it's, man. It's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to see who where, where people land, and it does hey, usually happen fast. It happens it does. fast. Like these guys commit to these teams like immediate as fast as they possibly can. It's because the portal window is so small, and then there's another one after. Right? Is it after spring ball? Uh, I think so. I, there's yeah. another one in, in April. Then in there's the a window of, uh, transfer. Yeah. I'd, have, yeah. I, I'd have to do more research on that. I'm not as well versed yeah. in the portal as y'all are, but um, yeah, I, 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 I'm pretty sure it's right after spring ball. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> uh, they'll run through spring ball if they don't like their positioning or sh- du- uh, you know shuffling on the depth chart. Then you know they usually kick rocks and, and move on. So yeah. it'll be really interesting to see. I the the one question I put on on Twitter was. You know, for the teams that are in the playoffs, obviously you're not going to have a mass exodus because you're in the playoffs. How do they deal with the transfer portal? Because right now, all the, this is a hot commodity. You got a lot of players. You'd be out there like, okay, I could really use this guy. To, 
can you bring them on right now? Can you, you know, like, cause you, you don't really have any openings. So what do you do on that? I'm curious how that would play out for, for the playoff teams. And if they just have to wait and hope to God, there's something there in the spring transfer portal. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's a curious question for me. Um, well, I mean, they could they could yeah. probably just factor it in. Like, I mean, you got so many seniors that are freeing up scholarships, and then you yeah. go with who? Are, you know, I'm, it's all you know math. Like, I mean, really, like if they don't have enough recruits coming in, then they have like five scholarships that they can hand out to transfer guys. I'm sure they could also just be like, "Hey, you know, we're really interested in you. Obviously, we can't do this right now." If you are still willing to wait till spring football, you know, maybe, you know, we will, we will too. And we'll pay you a nice money. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's an interesting topic and obviously one that we'll talk about more as we move forward. Uh, want to real quick, there is still a football game this weekend before we get into the bowls. It's army Navy, baby. Come on now. You know, we got to We got to rep that, you know, army, obviously uh, go army beat Navy. Because uh, we don't like the squids, um, both are five and six, looking for a bowl game. So that'll be, you know, obviously it's always a fun game to watch for me. I know it's, you know, kind of boring for others, but I, I like it. I think it's a good time, good uniforms. Since Brendan's so. a big jersey guy, he <laughs> loves this game because they always ball out with their jerseys. I, like I really uniforms. like Army's uniforms yeah. this year. <laughs> they're I legit like it. as fuck. They they're are cool, legit. Man. They're sick. They are real legit. I like them, man. That, the I Navy ones the too Navy are pretty. Ones, though. Oh my god, puke! I like the helmets. That's so I gross. Like the That's Last last year's was way better. Last year's was way. Last better. year's they were theirs were solid. But I don't, actually don't mind the ones for this year either. I mean, they're not oh, they're yeah. not as good as last year's, but I don't yeah. mind them. It's still That's a great I mean, jersey like, game. Like, they they always show out like Blake said. I mean, they always they yeah. do something special and uh, it's just cool, man. What? Trevor said, I said oh, that. Trevor said my bad. I, said man. I, I looked in his eyes and it made me. <laughs> I don't know. It was weird. Uh, hey, there is one thing that uh, we do need to cover that we have not went over. Oh yeah, yet. what's that? And we I need to crown the winner of our pick oh. for the regular season. No, we don't. That's, I disagree. I, I do not you know, support man. that message. Hey, no, Trevor, me and you, we've actually got a tie over Brendan on something on our preseason selections going four and six on oh, our conference yeah. selections. So, yes, uh, good job, boys. Trevor uh, deserves you know, recognition to be, you know, for chalk and. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm just bullshit. No, it's totally fine. No, I was. Gonna, I love when you just interrupt me. It's fun, but uh, Trevor deserves recognition for SMU. Both of his picks made the conference titles: the SMU and Louisville on his yeah. dark horse. Uh, his Kansas did solid on his dark horse. Neither of mine did well. A um, and M was an absolute disgrace of a program. Uh, Miami absolutely disgraceful but i mean both had the potential to be good and showed flashes of being good but just you know could never pull it together brennan your texas tech pick uh <laughs> it's gonna go down his history is the worst dude, i don't know if you like drink a bottle of elmer's glue or something it was like texas tech. i don't know what the hell that was about um, I, I was funny. trying not to just be chalk on things and like well obviously they're the favorite 
because Texas, you know you looked at it. Texas, they, they had a solid roster. They you know, did. The preseason did. in the preseason, Texas Tech was chalked because everybody yeah. was on on the well, on the Texas Tech bandwagon. Didn't their quarterback get hurt like in the first game? And yeah, he get, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. He had, Wait, they yeah. almost beat Oregon quickly. They almost beat Oregon. You know, so you yeah. know. Yeah. Almost. I'm gonna claim to that one. They almost did it. Grenades. Hey, whatever. Uh, but I did. I said Oregon <laughs> State. They did. They had a pretty good good season. I said <clears> NC State because I like their uniforms. They had a solid season. So, solid, I mean, you yeah. know, not bad. But Trevor, you did wonderful. Uh, yeah, except that, for the whole <laughs> big miss on the USC pick. Ooh, I don't know yeah, where that, I was going with that one. Well, everybody died with Clemson. <laughs> USC. Yeah. I could see why you made it because Lincoln Riley. You know, he, he's usually got an offense good enough to get in places, but mm-hmm. that defense was bad and a half. And it doesn't help that the Heisman quarter, returning Heisman, played like donkey ass the whole, half the season. Dude, that that's pretty wild, too. Uh, ret- uh, reigning Heisman, not even in consideration the next season for it. Yeah. yeah. I wonder how long, how often that happens. Uh, I don't I feel know. Like mo- uh, I feel like returning Heisman's at least are in the conversation. Maybe yeah. not always win back to back, but they're at least in the conversation. Well, like Tebow yeah. won it, and he was in he was in New York the following year when Ingram won it. You know, yep, yeah. he was still up there. And um, I'm trying to think back off the top of my head, I can't think of any others other than Tebow. I think most of the time, it's usually a junior or senior that's about to go pro, anyways. Yeah, usually it's it's very rare that a, a sophomore or freshman. Need, I know that freshmen are usually there. If he's like outstanding, like they'll yeah. they'll invite him, but he usually doesn't win. Yeah. Anyways, it, Brennan, go ahead and tell everybody who won pick them in the gridlocks. Yeah, hey, I don't so, support uh, this message. Hey, listen, everybody. So yeah, we gotta we gotta put <laughs> crown, we gotta crown the champion of this year's gridlock and the uh the pick him so and it just happened to be a double this year he he had a wonderful year great guy we're glad we brought him on you know kind of just found him off on the side of the road he's got great uh why are you, you know, calling barbara a guy uh <laughs> she won oh yeah she was like 321 <laughs> and 77 on the season okay like <laughs> Yes, but, well, she's a whole nother spectrum. Okay, uh, <laughs> she let, me, let me talk about let me talk about the clowns on this show, and then we'll talk <laughs> about Barbara because she's epic. Uh, so Blake, obviously, he won this year. He went eighty-eight and forty-nine. Uh, I came in second at eighty-six and fifty-one, and Trevor came in at eighty-four Shut and fifty-three. Up. I'm not trying to laugh. Shut up. I'm not trying. Why are you to. laughing when you say my? <laughs> I don't know. It just happened. <laughs> Why are you laughing um... when you say my name? Bubba? What the hell? Because I was like, well, we got a double this winner, and we got a double loser, <laughs> <laughs> and then the double middle guy. You know, I'm just kind of <laughs> the birds are flying on the camera. Um, folks, they're putting things in the water that are making the birds fly. And um, but it, it, Blake ended up winning uh, the, the the gridlocks too. He went seven and seven with twenty six points. Um, Trevor five and nine with thirteen points, and I finished six and eight with seventeen points. So uh, we're gonna put more out on the points next year. Maybe change it up a little bit because there's some big spreads, and uh, yeah. maybe the, the point system might need a, a reworking. But we'll see. Uh, you know, it's kind of something that I just threw together. Uh, but congratulations, Blake. You did a, had a wonderful year. Uh, we're really proud of you. Uh, Barbara, she picked every single game, like, ever and killed it. Even high so. school games. 
I mean, she's just <laughs> she <laughs> right. got them all, man. She got she is just on another level. Yeah, and uh, you know, we we strive to emulate that uh, in our yep. show. Yeah. Um, anything else, boys? I, I'm trying. I'm oh. Uh, no, we're good. We got gridlocks this week. We we hammered yeah. them except for Trevor, yeah. you know. So you know, real quick, since we <laughs> since we we didn't, I know we didn't really like, shut the down. Damn, he's a human animal. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, oh, but real quick, uh, if you guys were to pick, uh, kicking it up the notch for the championship mm. week, who do you think we should pick? Because I, I mean, I'm not trying to be a homer, but Mike Sanders still like had an epic game in being the MVP of the the Big Ten and forcing that many turnovers. He um, really did. Um, I don't know. A biased pick, I would say Isaiah Bond. Unbiased, yeah. I would yeah. say probably Michael Penix. Uh, yeah, for me, I'd probably go uh, Dylan Johnson just for for grinding out those yards like he did. Mm-hmm. I mean, just absolutely crucial. Um. Mich- Michigan, obviously, they, they, you know, I, I just don't think that game was in question enough to have a key player, even though Mikey no. had a killer game. He really um, did. Bama side, yeah, I'd be Bond. Uh, probably team of the week, I think you'd have to go with Bama for, you know, upsetting Georgia and, you know, but also uh, it, it's tough because Washington was a 10-point underdog. So I mean that's you know well, that was downright disrespectful. That was downright, that was poster board that, material if I've ever seen one. I, I seen almost it. feel like Vegas did it on purpose because I feel like, yeah, exactly how can right. you as as close of a game as that was, and then when you line up their schedules against each other's, how mm-hmm. can you put Oregon as a ten point favorite over that's, the team? That's insane. Them? It is. I, insane. Yeah, I don't I just, think I've actually ever seen that where a higher ranking team. Is an underdog by that much going into a game? It's remarkable, yeah. really. And the line moved higher. You know, it started out <laughs> as nine. It yeah, started and out it as went nine. Up. Yeah, and because everybody 10, felt like, that that first game, they're like, "Hey, yeah. and then, got uh, it. Bama started as six and a half dogs to Georgia, and then by game time, it was down to four. Yeah. You know, people Money. were starting to kind of yeah. think. It was almost chalk by the – I feel like by the time everyone got to game time with that one, I'm pretty sure that it was almost – you know, depending on who you talk to, it was going to be 50-50 split on who, who, who was going to win. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd go probably team, probably Bama, and then uh, Dylan Johnson for me. That's what I'd run with. Uh, I did forget to make that graphic though this week. I do apologize for those of you that like. I that. just thought uh, about it to be honest with you. As we're talking about break, about to walk away, I was like, "Well, we I don't remember we talked to, if we talked about kicking it up a notch or not." Yeah, so we'll, we'll have to hashtag him at least. Uh, we'll come to a consensus here after the show, boys. Anything else? Uh, you know, obviously, a hell of a week for football. A lot of drama. Uh, you know, it is what it is. You know, we're moving on. Uh, things are changing next year. A lot of changes. Uh, we're going to talk about some and stuff. for the, the NCAA. Yeah. <laughs> trying to do video for us, and then NCAA is changing. Next year is going to be wild. Season previews are going to be whack, so we're going to get into that later. Uh, but right now we're going to talk about you know some uh, some bowl season stuff and how we're going to go about our shows. And, uh, yeah, so we, we appreciate you guys again. It was, it's been a hell of a first season. Uh, you know, we any shares, uh, you know, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, so please keep, you know, 
talking with us and sharing and, uh, you know, telling your, your brothers and your sisters and your mothers and your cousins about us for all you, uh, Bama folk. And, uh, you know, all the other SEC fans, baby, we love you. We, we want you come on down. Uh, anybody else? I, I'm done. I'm, I'm good. I want to say goodbye, <laughs> but I, I don't want to be that loser again. You know, I, I it's kind of my thing, though. And, you know, uh, I've, I know that we have been having such a blast doing this, and especially the past, like, I don't know, I'd say 10 episodes, we've really kind of come to our own, and we really appreciate you all taking the ride with us up to this point. We ain't done. We far from done. With it's only be, only the beginning. First season <laughs> almost wrapped up, and uh, uh, we were having a blast with this, and I'm curious. curious uh, you guys need to stay tuned. Because we got some cool stuff coming up. Yep, we killed thirty shows, and we've grown our social media pretty good. I mean, yeah. I'm pretty happy with the rate we've been growing, and uh, we've made some friends. We've gotten some higher level followers. Yeah. So, and uh, we had a pretty big name block us. That was good. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, Pete Thamel. Uh, Pete Thamel. One that old, I'm thankful that he blocked us because he's old a, stinky Pete, man. He, he's he's an OSU slappy though. He's an Ohio State slappy. Oh yeah, um, he's a Jesuit. <laughs> he likes to sit on an old Daddy Day's lap. He drinks Florida's water. He's a Jesuit. <laughs> Klaus Schwab, the Davos Group. He's part of the cabal. <laughs> and he's he uh, either way. He blocked me because I called him out on uh, on the old X and just asked him, you know. To do better, and he blocked me because he's soft as uh, as Charmin. So just say it. He's gay. He's an Auburn yeah, fan. Mean, yeah, yeah. Is he an Auburn? Fan? I, I I don't know what he is, but I don't. I, mean, I don't like probably. Him. I know that's how. You know, like. Nah, never mind. We ain't gonna go there. He's All gay. Right, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> either way, yeah. We we appreciate you. You know, we'll we'll holler at you. You know, sometime we're gonna put out another show. I guess. So we'll we'll see you guys later. Goodbye. Roll Todd.